Coming to you live from Notre Dame's Bell, where the hunchback swings around, because I had to think of a spot to come live from at the last second, and that was the first place to pop into my mind. This is the Disney Plus Weekly Review, brought to you by the Movie Change Up Podcast. As always, I am your host, Joe Fricky. I am joined by my best friend, Jar Jar Binks, or I guess, Terrifying What If Tales, as you may know him as, or Tristan Mayer, but, um... Yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, What If Ultron 1 episode of What If. We got uh, Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales that Tristan and I both watched today. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest episode of Doogie Kame Aloha MD titled La Hela and Stitch. We'll be talking about the Boba Fett uh, poster and release date and some of the details that dropped from that. And we will be talking about what's coming up for the rest of this month on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Tristan, what are your thoughts on uh, this whole thing? On, uh, I'm so excited this for this episode. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, Joe. Uh, we, uh, I had a good episode this week on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we had a really good outing from all three of the shows we're covering, I think, and a lot of interesting stuff coming up this month, so it's going to be a fun one to talk about. Unfortunately, I'm not on video right now, but you still get the Jar Jar Binks. I uh, will limit the Jar Jar impressions to only a couple throughout the episode, but me so excited for this one, Joe. All right. And uh, you ready to get started to talk about our first topic? I'm ready. All right. Our first topic of the day today is the episode of What If? What If Ultron 1? Uh, basically, the general plot of this episode is in Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, Ultron was beginning to build a like synthetic human suit. Uh, to take his next step in his advancement. And uh, unfortunately for him, the Avengers got a hold of it and used it to create the hero known as Vision. Uh, however, in this version, the, that never happened, and Ultron was able to take the next step in his advancement. And uh, basically ran through the Avengers like a hot knife through butter and completely wrecked and destroyed them. Uh, after and when he realized that the only way to achieve peace was destroy all human lives, and when he pretty much accomplished that on Earth, he decided to accomplish that on other worlds, and it allowed him to. And uh, when he had the power of the Mind Stone, uh, 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 what's his face? Thanos showed up, and again. Ultron basically made his way through him, and uh, when Ultron gained the power of all of the uh, Infinity Stones, realized there were more than just the worlds in his universe to conquer. There were other universes to conquer, and that's kind of the setup for this entire episode. Uh, Tristan, uh, how did you feel about this episode? For me, this confirms everything I had about this show, that this show is not an anthology show, but all of these episodes are very much connected. And this may be my favorite episode. I love The Watcher. I really hope we get to see Jeffrey Wright play him in live action. And I will let you speak. Yeah, this, we are questioning throughout this series. Uh, there's some fun here, fun there, ups and downs. But where is it kind of going to? And this is where it's going to. It feels like it's all coming together here. And I love The Watcher's growth throughout this series up to this point. We've seen him be a true Watcher, just an observer from the outside. And slowly but surely... We've seen his empathy grow when you've seen him get more and more involved subconsciously sometimes, actively other times, and now this is him finally making the choice to become involved. But beyond that meta plot, I thought the actual episode itself was really a a exciting and fun to watch, great action. I thought it was fun to see Black Widow and Hawkeye on a mission together. We never yeah. really got to see that actually play out in the MCU. That was something we talked about a lot, like in the Avengers and some of the scenes together, but we 
never got you know that Budapest movie we all wanted to see. <laughs> so this was a, uh, a good moment to get those two characters together. Characters are probably never. I mean, there's no way we'd see them together in any form outside of some crazy multiverse like we paid Scarlett Johansson a lot of money situation. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's coming back to uh, Marvel anytime soon. Something tells me that's not going to happen for a while. Yeah, uh, a little bit of bad blood there, but that's been fixed uh, within the last few days, so who knows? Maybe they paid her off because they need to get her back for something, but uh, I doubt she'd want to come back. Um, uh, how, What did you think about the fight in this movie between The Watcher and uh, Ultron. I kind of like the idea. Basically, we've only seen the wa- wa- Watcher as kind of this, like, I, I want to say almost like peaceful guy and a guy that stays away. And the fact to see him throw down with a guy that basically Thanos was no more of a challenge to him than an ant would have been. So it was kind of cool to see how powerful the Watcher truly is. Yeah, you mentioned that he like cut right through Thanos in that point. That was a really shocking death. I was. I was like, oh, look, Thanos is coming. That's going to be kind of like the third act of the episode. It's going to be Thanos versus Ultron. And then Thanos just instantly is killed. <laughs> that was a pretty uh, funny, dark moment, a good moment of dark humor in in the MCU. But, yeah, that action in the finale was was great. I thought it really laid into the concept of them fighting throughout the multiverse. You know, when every punch was so heavy, it was literally spiraling them, spiraling them to different universes. You know, they would hit him and be in like a Wakanda university Hit him again, they'd be in like a medieval times universe. <laughs> it was pretty cool to see that. Yeah. We've only seen the multiverse kind of from the outside looking in in some ways, but now we this is the first time we've really gotten to see like a, a journey through the multiverse in that way. Speaking of the multiverse and them cutting through uh, different universes, uh, during that scene, uh, there were a few universes that were shown that you didn't mention. Did you happen to see them? Oh, I took down a couple of notes of some good ones, but I was uh, I didn't take down them all, Joe. I'm sure that you went through and got a bunch. We got I, some president. I know we got a President Steve Rogers universe. I yeah, President Steve universe. Rogers was great. That's an, that's one that would be amazing to see. Maybe in like a what if season two kind of a deal. Maybe because so far all of these have been like pretty negative endings. I would say or not neg like endings that are bad. Like endings that you would not want. <laughs> It'd be cool yep. if like season like this one was a full like series. Like this is telling a story. It'd be kind of cool if season two. What if was maybe telling a different story overall, but they were all more positive, and I feel like a Steve Rogers presidency would be a more positive uh, universe. Like, it would be a more positive ending. Maybe it's different, but instead of, like, the happy life with Peggy, maybe he gets his happiness uh, in a different way. Or maybe you still have the darker, where it's like he wants to be on the front line saving, but he has to just kind of be behind a desk, and he realizes quickly it's a be-careful-what-you-wish-for kind of a situation. But Yeah, maybe he'd realize that having power behind the desk is less powerful than actually being out in the front lines and doing it when you don't have that red tape in the way. But we're theorizing about it totally could be episode. But yeah, I definitely think that's one they could go back to. I know the voice actor for uh, Steve Rogers, who I can't remember the guy's name now, who replaced Chris Evans on the show, was tweeting a bit about the episode and really excited about that particular appearance and saying how much he wanted to do that again. So it would be fun if they were going to... They've already done season two, I would imagine, at this point in terms of writing it and actually starting the animation. So... I bet that if they had plans for some of these, they've already gotten down the line of getting them started and into whatever season two episode they're going to be in. Yep. Uh, there were there were two more universes I've noticed that I've Give seen. Give me some good ones, about. Joe. I know we had a Scrolls universe. It was all Scrolls. It seemed like. So there was a universe uh, that took place that was a very quick shot. It was on Mustafar with Vader's castle in the background. Oh wow! I missed that one. I re- I watched the scene like three times, and I I still missed one. Like it seems. 
And there was another one that people are kind of 50-50 on. That's what it was. But a lot of people believe uh, one was uh, the Fortress of Solitude from Superman. Look, I mean, it's all connected now. The Disney the Disney shared universe is real. You know, it's like Space Jam, a new legacy. Yeah. It's, it's all the same. And because, and people are also, because in the shot of uh, where Ultron, earlier in the episode where Ultron is going through and destroying all of these worlds, there's basically a moment that's a shot-for-shot remake of Krypton blowing up in uh, Man of Steel. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. This reminds me of E.T. being in, uh, like, Phantom Menace. Like, that doesn't actually matter to the plot. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, well, now E.T.'s canon to Star Wars. It's like, no, it's just a cool background yeah. shot. <laughs> like, don't – it's just something cool in the background. There's a bunch of cool background shots to Marvel, and yeah. I love that, though. I love that they're having fun with it. And, yeah, like I mentioned, this is the first time we've really seen the multiverse, like, fully kind of unleashed. We've seen it talked about. We've seen, like, the concept explored a little bit, but – we're really getting it full fledged right out of the gate here. I would think a crossover kind of thing would be cool if they did it like in a thing we'll talk about in a few minutes here, but in like Lego form or something where you have Tony Stark and Han Solo, you know, working together doing something or, you know, Captain Marvel and Ray and that kind of situation. I think, yeah, we'll talk a bit like about Lego the Lego, form. the Lego, we'll talk about the Lego thing in a minute, but I'll mention how like I, I enjoy the Lego things when I watch them because it does feel like you're just kind of like pouring out your toy box and playing yeah. with whatever toys you had in your hands. You know, it doesn't have to make sense that our characters wouldn't in any feasible reality be talking to each other, but in your kid reality, it, it makes sense. So here hanging out fighting stormtroopers or whatever. And that would be the only way I could see this happening in that kind of reality. Like when I'm a kid and I pour out my toys and Han Solo was out there hanging out with, you know, Iron Man and, they're all teaming up with Spider-Man. It doesn't even matter because they're all just my my favorite characters. So uh, I think maybe a, a Lego crossover could be an interesting one. Yeah. All right. And uh, one before, of the things I, I, I just wanted to bring up one thing too about uh, with uh, we got an appearance from a character from a previous episode of the uh, Do- evil Doctor Strange who kind of ended his own universe. Uh, the Watcher basically went to him at the end of this episode and saying, I need your help, and that was a big moment I liked where I'm like, okay, this is truly all connected, and I do think we are going to go back to, like, uh, T'Challa that became Star-Lord. We'll probably get Party Thor uh, that zombies. never had Loki as a brother. And maybe that's how they defeat Ultron is they unleash the zombies on Ultron. I can see that. Because, be, because with be all Vision, zombies of Marvel characters. Because with Vision, he's half, um, like he's part, like he has flesh and stuff, I guess is what they're trying to say. So I do think that's how they will defeat Ultron, is unleash the zombies on Ultron. I have a couple of cool things I want to mention before we move on. Uh, I thought there were a lot of good moments in the episode, but one thing that I thought stood out was Natasha using her step father pseudo father's shield the red guardian shield in her fighting oh yeah it's kind of a great. cool nod to black widow and kind of brought everything together and they didn't they never like made a point of it being his shield she, she never said anything she, she never said anything directly about it but it was obviously his shield so that was kind of a cool nod especially knowing that black widow and and this were probably being made around the same time so they had to plan that out a little bit yeah I also loved Clint's line when she said, he says, Nat, my will to live meter is flatlining. Yeah. I was like, that's a really good way of putting that. I'm going to use that now. Yeah, that was, uh, 
there were some great lines in this episode and some great moments. Um, one thing I want to ask is I, I brought it up before about wanting to see Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher in live action. What do you think the odds of that happening are? I think they're pretty high. I was thinking it's a possibility in this episode for me. Like the Watcher kind of looks like. Jeffrey Wright in a way like you could see how they could use makeup and effects to make it look like yeah. him. I think it would and... be like CGI where you could look at it and be like cuz I mean just like the like the watcher in the comics and stuff has always had like this massive head on like this little mm-hmm. body. And so I think it would be like a visual effect type of thing but where you could also clearly see that it's Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, similar like you can look at Thanos and tell that it's Josh Brolin even though it's physically not actually Josh yeah. Brolin, you know. Yeah, I feel like it would be a similar type of thing. I think we could, I think our best bet is to see him in Doctor Strange too. And that's probably like the only way I would see him coming in is there or yeah. like some future far away Avengers movie, like whatever the next yeah. event is for the Avengers. Maybe even something like the Eternals I could see. I could see that too. I could also, I can honestly see that being a post-credit scene of Eternals. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it. One, of them, reporting, one of them reporting to the watcher. That could be a nice way to up the ante and be like, Oh look, we're really stepping forward into the multiverse. Yeah. One final thing I thought was cool was the Galactus reference. I don't want to have the, the have to be a Galactus reference in an episode. We don't mention it, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool to see Galactus. Or like, I mean, wasn't that really Ultron though? It was just like visually, it looked like Galactus because he grew, like he was messing. He used the Reality Stone to like grow so much that he essentially turned into Galactus. Yeah, it wasn't literally Galactus, but he was he was essentially like mimicking the look of Galactus, eating a whole galaxy the same way Galactus does. Yeah. So they, I thought they were definitely directly referencing Galactus while yeah. not actually using him as a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's basically where I was too. That was definitely cool. We're slowly seeing the the worlds collide. Joe, we're seeing yeah. the X Men, the Fantastic Four, the Cosmic, and all kind of coming into the Marvel universe. Yeah. And this kind of all goes into my theory with this kind of thing of, like, I think the Fantastic Four, well, especially the X-Men, but potentially the Fantastic Four, have existed and maybe existed together, um, but they were in another universe. And I think that's the I think that's the best way to do the X-Men, if the, is the X-Men have existed forever, but in their own universe. And try, instead of trying to say, like, the snap created the X-Men or all of that, I feel like it's just too confusing because it's like, how do you have characters like Wolverine and Professor X who are supposed to be these lifelong mutants when the mutant gene was only, like, unleashed, like, two years ago, you know? Yeah, I, I, I would feel like that's, that's truly not the go. X-Men anymore. Like, if the X-Men and all of these people all got their powers two years ago, I feel like that's truly not the X-Men, and you can't really fully explore what the X-Men are at that point. I had no spoilers for Venom here, but I saw it today, and they do a couple times throughout, say, the word mutation and mutant, yeah. referring to certain characters in the movie. Uh, it's not like an X-Men character or something, but they, they use the words mutant. Okay. So I think it's it's interesting the first time we've heard that used in like a Marvel adjacent movie. So I wonder if they're hinting at the fact that things are connected in that way. I don't want to spoil the movie, but yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of comes together as uh, what if escalates and everything kind of is. We're starting to get a better picture, I think, of where the show ties into things and how it's how all of this is going to kind of tie together. All right, you ready to move on to our next topic? I'm ready. All right, the next is our, the topic of Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales, which is kind of a 45-minute short or short film, I guess. I don't know. It's just it's not really a full-on movie, but to me, a short film is more like 20, 30 minutes. But either way, it's 45 minutes long. And this episode is in Lego form. Uh, Poe Dameron's kind of the main character. 
and the plot is a few years after uh, the rise of Skywalker. Uh, he crash lands on Mustafar, uh, where he finds out that a hut by the name of Grabala the Hut, who also appeared in the Freemaker event, Freemaker Adventures, which was a Lego Star Wars show on Disney uh, Disney XD, um, is turning. Uh, Vader's castle into basically like a casino hotel type situation and he also meets this uh, young character named Dean who reminded me a lot of Anakin and the Phantom Menace I feel like it that was somewhat on purpose uh, the character's name was Dean working for Grabala the Hutt and he kind of wants this better life and they also run into the character of Vinay who was in uh, Rogue One as kind of Vader's right hand man. He was voiced by Tony Hale in this. Yep, he was uh, uh, basically he was in the uh, trailer for Rogue One, and a lot of people were speculating because we see him like kneel down in front of a Bacta tank, and we're like, wait, is that Vader kneeling in front of uh, Palpatine? Is that Palpatine kneeling in front of Vader? What's going on? Nope, just turns out it's this new character, Vinay, and. Uh, they run into him while they were touring Vader's castle, and he tells them three stories throughout uh, the tour. One about Kylo Ren, one about Darth Maul, and then one about Luke Skywalker. And they're all basically, essentially, what-if stories, where they're definitely not canon. Uh, they basically all contradict canon, but they're all these kind of fun stories similar to like the old... Uh, movie series or t- television series, terrifying tales where they got the name, or like a creep show where all of these stories are like an anthology story, but uh, it kind of relates to the general narrative of the outside world of Poe Dameron and Vinay and this kid Dean and all that, and it all comes together. And we find out that Vinay obviously had some nefarious purposes in telling them these stories. And uh, it was pretty solid. It wasn't anything I'll probably go back to and watch again. But if you have a young kid Star Wars fan, like, you know, eight, eight-ish, nine, ten years old, I definitely think you should show it to them. Uh, they'll probably think, you know, it's if you're a parent, it's something you can watch and not want to uh, pull your eyes out with a spoon. Um, <laughs> but And they'll definitely enjoy it. So I think, yeah, if that's your situation, I definitely think give it a watch. If you're like a hardcore Star Wars fan that wants to consume anything Star Wars, I definitely say to check it out as well. But it's far from a must-watch, I would say. What what are your thoughts, Tristan? I had a good time with it overall. Not Definitely not a must-watch, but I think if you want to get in the Halloween spirit, you want to kind of just have a good time, I think it's worth the watch. I think I feel a bit more positive on it than you do. You're talking about... You're not going to scrape your eyes out with a spoon. You know, I, I agree with you on that, but I do think I liked it. Honestly, I had a good time with the, each of these three stories. The, the plot tying it together was whatever. It was cool to see. Yeah, that's kind of what I was. The stories within it, I really liked. The plot tying it together was whatever. That's how I feel about most anthologies. I was like the plot tying it together is not necessarily what you're watching it for as much as the individual yeah. stories. Yeah. And. I thought it was fun to see these what if you mentioned it's sort of like Star Wars what if and that's how I felt you get the what if of Kylo Ren I like the Kylo Ren one probably the most where you're getting like the Knights of Ren is like this biker gang who roll up on Luke's uh Luke's little uh school like Lost Boy style and like tempt Kylo Ren to the dark side and it had very much like a Lost Boys Joel Schumacher feel to that first short and Christian Slater gives like a 
really fun performance as the main villain. He With has a like Kiefer Sutherland vibes. Yeah. yeah, he was the original Ren that the Knights of Ren are like formed around and based on, and that's in the comics too. So that, like, that's the thing. A lot of this Lego stuff is like tangential, tangentially. That's a word. Canon. Uh, we can kind of get a little bit of maybe where they're headed with certain things and like kind of see things that are canon, but like the stories themselves are not exactly uh, canon, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you, you get an idea of what they're focusing on and what kind of characters they want you to pay attention to. And I think the fact that Poe Dameron is essentially our vessel into this is interesting because I think Poe po Dameron could be the character they use to kind of like revitalize the French, uh, the sequel era a bit. And he could be the one character who doesn't have any real baggage on him that could they could bring back into, in some kind of way. Yeah, everyone loves uh, uh, Oscar Isaac too, so... Drop a back a Brinks truck up to his house and be like, "Hey, we want you as a side character in Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron." Yeah, and he's already he's already working with Disney for Moon Knight, so he's in the he's in the yeah. circle. You know, he's in the he's in the gang there. Yep. I thought it was fun too to see Luke become uh, part of the Imperial Navy essentially and become like a bad guy. And yeah, that was cool. That that, <laughs> that was my favorite of the three stories. Even though I'm a hardcore Darth Maul guy, as evidenced by my Darth Maul Funko Pop back there. Um, <laughs> Hardcore the the Luke Skywalker joining the Imperial Academy, and uh, w- you know working for Vader and all of that was my favorite story because that was the most what if of the three. Yeah, because you definitely got that element of this is what could have actually happened to Luke, and if you squint and look at it the right way, kind of way like yeah. if Luke went this direction and turned to the dark side, and it also has that what if angle of like these. Everything can change, but you still have these like staple events of them taking on the Death Star. Like the, have these staple events of uh, something's always going to happen, even, even if they happen in different ways. And I like that about this episode too. Is yeah, Kylo Ren still turns against Luke's temple, even though it happens in a different way. And the Death Star still blows up, even if it happens in a different way. And Maul still comes back to life and turns back to turns against Palpatine and becomes like his own his own dark side uh, fighter, even if it happens in a different way than it does here. This, these kind of feel just like. Even as they are, even as they're printed in the episode, they do feel like these legends you tell among the Star Wars galaxy, like a story you tell, like Luke by the by the Tatooine fire at night. Yeah, what well, I will say because we haven't really touched on the Darth Maul story much. Um, my favorite aspect of that was definitely seeing Maul versus Grievous, even if it was in Lego form. Because one of the things I'll never understand is how is a Force user fighter versus a non Force user fighter close at all ever in any way when Darth Maul just lifts Grievous up uses Grievous' own lightsabers to cut his limbs off and drops him to the ground I'm like yeah that's how every fight between a force user and non-force user should go yeah I, I, that's a good point I didn't think about it that way but you you make a good point Joe yeah the force and one's a, a robot guy yeah. yeah like uh basically like as much as people like the fight, the the Jango Fett Obi Wan fight and Attack of the Clones, I'm like they should not even be close. Obi Wan could just hold him up in the air and just slowly remove his armor and just drop him on the ground with zero weapons, zero anything, and be like, I mean, we can keep doing this fight, or you can, and I can kill you, or you can surrender now. Like, <laughs> what what are we doing here? The Force works in mysterious ways, Joe. Yeah. 
Like, I understand there's the story and they have to fight because reasons, but also, just logically, I always look at force user versus non-force user fights, and I'm like, what's going on? What are we doing? I thought it was funny in the Luke episode, the Luke story, when, whenever he'd make a wish on the on the Wookiee's part, instantaneously, like, it would come true with the most cheesy way possible. Oh, yeah, like, I wish I can get as far away from this planet as possible, and, and then, immediately yeah, an Imperial pilot walks over and says, son, do you want to get away from this planet as soon as possible? Yeah. I like that Luke definitely killed, like, Big Starklighter. <laughs> yeah, Luke definitely killed like a whole bunch of people. Oh, and uh oh what was great too when the when they were going to defend when he was going to defend Vader when they were when he was in the TIE Fighter, when Leia and uh uh Kenobi and Kenobi was still alive because he's like, Oh man, like I had a feeling I was gonna die on that Death Star. That was a pretty <laughs> good moment. Yeah, and it was fun that he was still alive and that him and Leia were not in the background talking over speakers they were actually the ones leading the fight you know because they didn't have luke to lead the fight yep yeah i thought that was great i wish there would have cut to like han like just a random scene of like uh jabba like killing han solo or something (laughs) han just like flying around in the muddy and fucking bored doing nothing yeah yep that would have been fun anything else you got to say about this episode no, I was definitely I was a little bit surprised how much I liked it. I would not a must watch, but uh, surprisingly entertaining start to the uh, Halloween season. You know, it dropped October first, so I think it's a good way to jump in. I know throughout the month we're going to be talking about a few different like Halloween themed episodes episodes of Disney shows, a couple of the Halloween themed Disney movies. So this was a good way to kind of kick it off with a, ha- a Halloween themed Star Wars special. Yep, yeah, it was fun. Um, Forty five minutes or so, perfect length. Wouldn't have wanted much longer, and I felt any shorter, it would have felt a little rushed. Uh, like I said, you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, a completionist, or you know maybe an older Star Wars fan with a young kid in your life. Uh, I would say check it out. But if you're like 35 and you're like meh on Star Wars, I'm gonna say you probably don't need to don't need to check it out. Um, it's not gonna this ain't this if you're not a Star Wars fan, this isn't gonna turn you into one. Yeah, I'd be surprised if people were like, oh, you know, I hated Star Wars, and then I watched the Terrifying Tales, and I was like, you know what? I get it now. Yeah, everything about Star Wars makes sense to me. <laughs> All right, and uh, are you ready to move on to our next topic? I'm ready to move on, Joe. We got a good one. All right, we have uh, Doogie Kamealoha MD, Episode 4, Hila and Stitch. In this one, we start off great, because she's looking at a picture of our boy, Walter. <laughs> The He's only, like the first thing they talk about. The After last episode with no Walter, I was getting a little nervous that maybe the whole Walter storyline got dropped. But when this episode opens on her looking at a picture of Walter, our boy, I'm like, hell yeah. The only 16-year-old in the universe with the name Walter. But he's fun. I like the character. And I hope he's in every episode moving forward. Uh, we got a lot of Walter this week, though. It was a yeah. Walter-centric episode. Yeah. Walter needs his own show. Um, but basically the plot of this episode is Lahela isn't exactly sure how, uh, things are going with her and Walter cause they, th- they've been a little awkward and there's been some confusion between them and, uh, they go on a double date with, uh, Lahela's brother and, uh, Lahela's best friend. 
and they go mini golfing and during mini golfing and as someone who has had appendicitis i could see this coming a mile away when he was like oh my stomach hurts and immediately i was like oh he's gonna have appendicitis and then he was like it started in my stomach and then it kind of shifted to my side i'm like oh this is definitely where it's going uh, long story short, all of the doctors at the hospital are busy, and Lahela, who's a kid doctor, obviously it's a Doogie Howser reboot. If you, this is the first episode of Disney uh, Plus review that you've watched, probably should have given a little explanation of the show. Doogie Kame Aloha is a reboot of Doogie Howser about a 16-year-old uh, doctor. And uh, she's the one that has to do the appendectomy on uh, Walter. And... Uh, after that, things get a little weird. If they weren't nervous, or if they weren't awkward between them already, it's certainly awkward now. And Doogie fully believes that uh, Walter is basically scared of how smart Lahela is, and is like thinks that she's almost maybe too smart. And so Lahela thinks she has to dumb herself down. Tristan, what did you think about this episode? It was a fun one. I like this. I like the the energy of like them going out on the first date and stuff. I think is a really interesting character. I like her a lot. She's the fun best friend in the in the show, and I like that she kind of feels like she's becoming a bit of a third wheel at this point. And I think it's interesting that it's not a show where all the relationships are perfect, and that I think that they're leading towards the fact that like Kame Aloha has her whole life that she's very busy, and sometimes she doesn't think about other people as much as she should. And I think that she's gonna have an arc of her own through that and the growth of that. So I like that a lot, and. I also liked we had, uh, speaking of the MCU, we had our own little multiverse crossover here because we got an appearance from Randall Park showing up oh, for the yeah. episode here. Uh, he plays kind of this arrogant doctor that comes in and he's supposed to give this presentation, but he shows up late and he's show, he's coming in like name-dropping celebrity patients. And I thought that was a really fun performance from him. And you can see how much of an instantaneous personality foil he is to... Kame's mom because she's absolutely not that personality she's like the very by the book very professional kind of person and he comes in and he's not that at all so that clash was a lot of fun I like that the show doesn't just give Kame the plots and lets and actually allows the side characters to have fun parts and it brings in big name guest stars and uses them for the B plot rather than for Kame's like main plot you know so it was interesting that they were able to once again balance the parent characters with, with the kid characters yeah, and the uh, celebrity guest that uh, Tristan is talking about is uh, Irvin Magic Johnson, uh, former L.A. Laker and alumnus of Michigan State University, which is why I decided to wear my Michigan State shirt today. Uh, and that was kind of fun. He was definitely uh, on – he was he didn't actually like fully appear in the episode. He was on basically a Skype call, which makes me question if he even knew what the hell show he was on. Because <laughs> uh, when he was like name-dropping him, I had like no – like thought that he was actually going to be in the episode and then when he was i'm like i wonder if he even knows what show he's on or if he's yeah, just he's like friends like... with the producer and he's like uh oh, save these lines into a camera yeah it was the middle of the, of the of the shutdown he was like stuck in his house for months and they were like oh we'll pay you a couple thousand dollars if you mm-hmm. save these lines on on facetime real quick yeah, and he was yeah. like i got you exactly um and the the b plot with the mom was kind of cool because uh what it gave me it was basically uh she felt like she was neglecting her family but she also wanted to be chief of staff and so uh she decided you know what i can't fix this hospital i'm just gonna go back to being part-time and spend more time with my family and the family was like get the fuck out of the house 
can't stand you being around all the time. One of the great moments was uh, she was trying to like play video games with her youngest son, and she was like, oh, how do you win? Like, What do you do? And he was like, eh, I'm probably just going to walk around the village and make a pot of stew, and that's like the most... That perfectly encapsulates like modern gaming when she, the mom was just like, and that's supposed to be fun, and he's like, it was. Uh, <laughs> but like, if you, like if it's the right game and the right story and all that, like like with the Minecraft type situation, the game wasn't Minecraft. I don't know if it if the game he was playing is an actual game or if it's just like some, you know, video game looking footage they had made for the show. But yeah, like that's kind of seems to be what modern gaming is anymore. Yeah, I played plenty of those games where it's, I'll sit there for hours and I'm like, okay, I cut down some trees, you know, I cooked some yeah. food, we walked around. Yeah. Real productive time. Yeah. But uh, do we want to give spoilers on Oh, and I, Lahela and Stitch, it was, I mean, I guess because she's a doctor and she, like, stitched the guy up. But there was a, she goes to, like, Comfort Walter and she gives him a Stitch balloon at the hospital. I'm like, oh, that's why this episode, I guess, was called Lahela and Stitch, but... <laughs> I don't know. That's my only yeah, gripe with the episode some... is the title didn't fully make sense, but uh, I think you and I are both still on board of this show is uh, way better than we ever expected it would have been. I, w- I thought we were going to cover episode one trash on it, and here we are on episode four being like, yeah, this show's good. Can't wait for next week. Yeah, it's honestly getting – I mean, it's getting just as good as it's been. I feel, I feel like it's even improving a bit as the actors seem to like find the characters a bit mm-hmm. more – they all seem a bit more comfortable together. Yeah, I'm liking the show. I'm really surprised by it. Uh, yeah, I wish that I wish the titles were more on the nose though. Give me something like uh, Turner and Hooch, where they had the Die Hard episode, and it was like all Die Hard references. I yeah. want some. You got a, a Lilo and Stitch title. You got to give me some yeah, aliens. Gotta... You got to give me some cool stuff. Yeah. Even if there wasn't aliens, but like she was given like a dog to watch, and the dog's name was Stitch. Come on. Oh yeah, not, uh, you know, give me give me some cameos, not not actual cameos, but some some lines, some connective tissue, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the, only, the only thing I will say about this show is I hope after this episode, because we've now had two episodes of it, of Lahela thinking that Walter doesn't like her because she's so smart, and then her at the end realizing, oh, that's not what their problem was. I kind of hope we're done with that storyline, and we can just move on to other things. Yes, I hope there's more than just the same problem for the relationships. <laughs> I, I hope. This show is going to get stale pretty quick if the if these characters keep running in the same problems every week, you know. And I like the characters a lot, so I wanted to see them do interesting things together and go on new stories and face new problems. I don't want it to just be the same. Like, oh, does he really like me? Does he not problem every every episode? Yeah, yeah. he likes you. He has no problem with your smarts. He actually likes that you're smart. Move it along. All right. I think that's all we have to say about uh, Doogie, right? Anything yeah, I can't wait for the next episode. I I can't believe it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to every episode of the show. Oh, and I forgot I was going to add one thing. I think I want to know, are the writers on this show dialed in with youth culture, or do they have, like, kids consult on the show to a certain degree, like how uh, when uh, oh the, the guy that made 8th grade? Bo Burnham. Bo, Bill Burnham. Bo Burnham. Uh, was writing eighth grade and he had them like communicating on Facebook Messenger and like the kids on in the movie were like no one uses no one our age uses Facebook Messenger we use Snapchat or whatever like the whole thing about like just like the the lingo that they use like oh like I'm not on his main just referring to Instagram I'm like yeah that's how like late teenagers early twenty year olds talk so I'm curious if 
the writer if they have young writers on the show if they consulted the actors on the show maybe or if they're just like that tuned into youth culture yeah i think it's really impressive that they're able to make it seem so natural when these kids talk to each other so a lot of times on disney shows when kids this age talk to each other they feel so squeaky clean that it's like bizarre they don't feel like human beings (laughs) and i think these characters they still talk like disney tv characters but they feel like real people and they say natural things like that and I do wonder if you can. I'm sure he probably got that from the actress or any of the people involved. I would think would yeah. be like, oh, we wouldn't say that. We'd say it like this or something like that. And that helps the show too. I know there's a few parts. Uh, I googled the mini golf that they mentioned. I, I said, oh, they said this by name, so it's got to be like something that's real. And it, it was not. Uh, I, I, I guess they couldn't get the copyright to name drop an actual mini golf place in Hawaii. But they have throughout the show been like trying to keep the details of Hawaii. Uh, Hawaiian places and different they've named drop places that are real people that are real things that people actually do in in the area so I uh, yeah that along with the social media stuff I like that's just the attention to detail in the writing here yep. it really elevates the show all right uh you ready to move on to uh our next thing let's go all right our next thing uh we got a book of Boba Fett poster and a release date along with the poster uh you know, if you saw the post-credit scene from Mandalorian season two, it's essentially the same thing. Boba Fett chilling on a chair, chilling on his throne. Essentially, we got, you know, the uh, title artwork which we've seen already, the book of Boba Fett, and we have a release date. They told us Christmas 2021, and it looks like we're getting it December 29th. Um, we also got a little bit of announcement. Uh, this is from StarWars.com, so you're not going to get any more reliable than this. And it says, The Book of Boba Fett, a thrilling Star Wars adventure, finds legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shan navigating the galaxy's underworld when they return to the sands of Tatooine to take their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt and his crime syndicate. The Book of Boba Fett stars Tamora Morrison and Ming-Na Wen, uh, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Robert Rodriguez, Kathleen Kennedy, and Colin Wilson are the executive producers, and then it just lists more uh, producers and stuff beyond that. But that little description didn't really tell us anything we didn't already know. Based on the post-credit scene alone, I could have I could have written that little blurb. Uh, but uh, any thoughts on this? Uh, any speculation? Any theories? Any ideas on what we may see in uh, the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, it's curious. It's, it seems like it's going to be sort of their journey of how they actually take over the underworld. Like, of course, we saw them take the throne, but there's more than just taking the throne. It's going to seem like they kind of rise to power. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch, of course. And Boba Fett is an interesting character that is so unexplored, despite being so popular. Like, he's such a huge, huge character. And for such a popular character to be so unexplored is kind of rare for Star Wars. They've kind of explored every inch of the galaxy, it seems with a lot of the known characters. Uh, but yeah, the, the release date, I like it. It's a perfect Christmas gift. You know, you finish up the holidays, you come back home a couple of days later, and it's just in time for Star Wars to be back. You know, it's it's end of, end of Christmas for me, beginning of, beginning of New Year time. So it'll be a great way to end the year with the Star Wars show. All right. And, uh, the, you know, a little bit of things. So this episode will, or this day, December 29th, is also going to be the last day of uh, Hawkeye. Some now, some people are speculating uh, final episode of Hawkeye may get an early release, and that final episode may drop on Christmas Day itself. Uh, number one to separate it out, but also two to maybe 
like get trending and stuff on Twitter and Instagram and all that of like, oh, surprise early release, Hawkeye. Uh, but if they Merry both Christmas. release December 29th, uh, which one would you watch first? The premiere of Book of Boba Fett or the finale of Hawkeye? It's hard to say because if, if I come out, if I'm at that point in Hawkeye and I'm really, really, really into it, I'm going to be watching Hawkeye for sure. You know, if I'm, if I'm loving the Hawkeye show, but if I'm sitting here right now and they're telling me, okay, you can watch Book of Boba Fett episode one, or you can watch the finale of Hawkeye. I'm watching Book of Boba Fett because I'm really curious what they'll do with the character, where they'll take him. How it's been a while since he's been in the Star Wars universe. How much is this going to look like Mandalorian? How much is this, this going to look new? What are, how quickly do we get to the fact to them taking over Tatooine like that? Is that like was that post credit scene like the, the first scene of the show essentially, or is that going to be like what we get to as we go along the show? I'm really interested interested to see how it all figures out, and I feel like Hawkeye. By the time I get to the finale, I'm going to have a good idea of what it is and where we're going. So I won't be too desperate and hungry for where it, where it ends up unless, like I said, I'm super in love with the show and I'm like craving to get that last hour in. I will say this. I think if Jabba the Hutt had lived, right, like didn't die in Return of the Jedi for whatever reason or maybe wasn't even in Return of the Jedi, which I guess wouldn't have made sense, but if he, like Leia just injured him and they were able to get away um, and then the... Uh, post credit scene of Mandalorian Season 2 is him killing Jabba and taking the throne, I would say that could potentially be like a finale moment and that the whole series is building to that moment. But when it's him killing Bib Fortuna, who is always seen as like this lackey kind of character, I don't really see an entire series building up of him killing this lackey character, so I think it's going to open. Or like it's going to... like I could easily see the episode starting with Boba Fett already sitting on the throne having killed... Bib Fortuna. Um, but there was a theory uh, someone posted. Oh, and it was announced too that Ludwig Gordonson is doing the score for Book of Boba Fett. Or it's basically hem- heavily rumored, basically almost confirmed that Ludwig Gordonson is doing the score for uh, Book of Boba Fett. But one theory I want to poise to you uh, in the Star Wars speculation subreddit, uh, uh, Reddit user Alchibiad, A L C I B I A D. Uh, has a theory that the book of Boba Fett is going to be young Ben Solo has kidnapped has been kidnapped, and uh, Han and Leia have to go to Han's old rival Boba Fett to uh, find a young Ben Solo. It's five years out. Ben would be five years old. Uh, if, at this point he'd be like six or seven years old. Uh, but they, they go on further that basically Ochi, who is the character that killed Ray's parents, uh, kidnapped Ben uh, for Palpatine, essentially, and uh, Boba's the one that has to go rescue him. And there's some like other reasons, and they explain it further, but how would you feel about that as a plot line? Look, I mean, I love Ben Solo. I I love to see more of him. I'd love to see more of that time of his life as well, like when he was still that young kid that punk kind of conflicted kid who is going down this dark path but not quite there yet i think that's an interesting time to explore for the character but i don't need book of boba fett to connect to everything like <laughs> we, we already have enough connective characters in mandalorian and we're gonna have one or two i'm sure in boba fett so as much as i would love to see some way to bring the sequel trilogy into this again and revive it again i don't i don't need to see Han Solo in in the show. I don't need to see Princess Leia in the show. I don't need all of 
those characters showing up. I feel like the potential of Book of Boba Fett is that you're getting beyond that and seeing, sure, you have Boba Fett and you have some of the underworld characters, but you're seeing parts of the world you haven't seen before. And if we're just going back to the literal same trio of the original trilogy again, that's going to feel like a bit of a, a letdown for something that should feel like a separate spinoff removed thing. But I would love to see the the story itself. Sounds good. But not this. I don't want it to be like what we get out of this one-off Boba Fett story. Yeah. The one thing I was my, then you probably won't like my next discussion topic is for a lot of these shows they've released like a large bit of the cast like uh, Obi Wan or Kenobi, uh, which we are not sure when it's coming out has released a large portion of its cast and or has released a large portion of its cast for. Book of Boba Fett, we got two cast member announcements. We have Tamura Morrison and Ming-Na Wen, and we know no other cast members beyond that. And part of me thinks we don't know the cast members because the cast members would essentially be spoilers. If they're like, yeah, we have the voice actor for Cad Bane, we have the voice actor for for, uh, Hondo... You know, we have this actor, you know, we brought in Alden Ehrenreich, we've brought in, you know, all these characters that have played, or all these actors that have played characters within Star Wars are going to be in Book of Boba Fett. People basically know all of the characters in Book of Boba Fett. So, that's my thought. Do you think there's maybe another reason that we really don't know the cast of Book of Boba Fett, even though it's the next show, when we know a lot of the cast of other shows that are further down the road? I think it... I see it on both sides. I do see your argument that when you don't have the cast on there, it does lean to the idea that they're probably, I mean, I guarantee we probably have a Cad Bane. We probably have Hondo. We probably have a handful of those characters that do show up and they're probably not listed on the cast for a reason. I would say my, all right, go ahead. And I'll see what I was going to (laughs) say. I was going to say, but I also think the opposite is true. They released the Obi-Wan cast super early because they knew it was going to be connected characters. They knew it would get out. So they had to say, okay, we got to announce that Hayden's in the show. We got to announce that Terry Edgerton is in the show because that's going to get out. Because these are shared characters, it's too big of it. Not Terry Edgerton, Terry Edgerton. Yeah, Terry Edgerton. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be down for Terry Edgerton in Star Wars. He was on the short list for, uh, to play Han Solo in Solo. Yeah, he would have he been a cool Han Solo. But yeah, I, I think the reason... I see both arguments. I think there's an argument for, yeah, they're not releasing the cast because there's big names on it. But I do think if there are big, big names on it, they're a bit more inclined to release the cast in certain situations because then you guarantee it doesn't get leaked. And you keep your eyes off of the important thing. You know, you release the cast of Obi-Wan, you release the cast of Mandalorian so that people aren't looking at Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I fully believe they uh, intentionally leaked the uh, Ahsoka being in Mandalorian Season 2 to keep people's eyes off Luke Skywalker. What, if I, however, if I were to do a if they if we were to do a draft of characters we think are going to be in Book of Boba Fett, my number one pick would obviously not be Luke Skywalker. It would not be Cad Bane or Hondo. My number one draft pick would be uh, Amelia Clark as Kira. I think with Your number the, one pick. I think with War of the Bounty Hunters coming out and uh, she's been talking about Star Wars more and more lately. I think. Uh, Emilio Clark as Kira is the most likely uh, character to return, especially if we're going to focus on the underworld and the character taking over the underworld. It, it would make sense for her to appear. Yeah, I could see her being a way to kind of lead us into the underworld and be a recurring villain in the background in some kind of way. I I don't mind them connecting these kind of like B and C supporting characters to each other. You know, like bringing in Cad Bane, bringing in Hondo, even bringing in Kira. 
I think that's that's kind of a cool yeah. thing to do. Yeah, I think if you're focusing on the underworld, especially when they're, I mean, Hondo not as much, but like Cad Bane was Boba Fett's rival as a youth, so like they're connected. It makes sense. Like if you're gonna do, like if they were saying, hey, we're doing an animated show on, um, basically Ben and Luke's adventures while Luke was creating the Jedi Academy. Like, I don't think bringing Han and Leia is exactly like, oh, they're bringing in all these old characters. Where are the new characters? It's like, well, it makes sense that Han and Leia would show up. The show focuses on their son and brother slash brother-in-law. So why wouldn't they be there? But yeah, I think, I do think though, if you're, if I'm watching Book of Boba Fett and I'm seeing like characters not connected to Boba Fett at all start appearing, I'm going to be like, what the hell? But even yeah, like Kira think... has is not a direct connection, but she's still an underworld connection. She was essentially at one point the head of the underworld. So, yeah, there's plenty of characters you can bring in that make sense and don't feel like you're just throwing characters at the wall to fit. You know, I yeah. think it'll be fascinating to see this show because, like you said, it's the next one up, and we don't know anything really about it. Yeah, yeah, and um, of I... course we have a, a few months to go between then and now, but not that long. Yeah, we have about uh, six weeks, a little under six weeks until we get the trailer for uh, Book of Effects. I'm sure it's dropping on Disney Plus Day, November 12th. That makes the most sense. That's what I'm guessing, too. It'll be exciting to see it, though. We're, we're, any day now, I'll be ramping up for that promotion for that for that show. All right. And uh, you ready to talk about the rest of October? Yeah, speaking up, we got a lot of stuff coming up, so I'm excited. We're going to go through what we got for you guys coming up on Disney Plus in October. We're probably not going to cover all of this stuff, but if there's any of the stuff you guys want us to cover, definitely let us know because I'd be down to watch any of it if you want us to. All right, yeah, I'll just uh, start through each day of the drops and kind of list uh, big drops. Uh, it seems that it's more front-loaded uh, than back-loaded. So October 1st, obviously we have Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales. We've talked about that. Uh, the first two Alvin and the Chipmunks movies are are now on Disney Plus. So oh joy! If you if, really want to torture yourself, if you want to fucking shoot your fucking face off repeatedly, oh, watch those movies. Uh, for younger kids, we have the scariest story ever: the Mickey Mouse Halloween Spooktacular, which is kind of in that new dis two D Disney animation style, which I am massively not a fan of. It makes Mickey Mouse looked like some reject garbage character. It's not his iconic look that you and I and pretty much everyone else grew up with. It's just not an animation style I enjoy, so I'm definitely not going to watch that. But um, And then also today, Maleficent dropped. So any thoughts on October 1st? Yeah, we had... Uh, I think Lego Star Wars is the best thing on there. Maleficent is a solid movie. I think it's a good time for it to drop too. October is a good fit for it. You know, nice chilly kind of Halloween vibe kind of movie. I'd recommend Maleficent if you haven't seen it. I think it's worth the watch, certainly. Yep. Uh, all right. And for October 6th, uh, Black Widow is dropping on Disney Plus for free. So if you haven't checked that out yet, uh, it's going to be free. Uh, we have Among the Stars, which is a six part NASA docuseries essentially about an astronaut uh, going back into space. And about various other astronauts at NASA, like, on that same mission and kind of what it means to them and, like, their goal and them working together and all that. Uh, we have the Turner and Hooch finale, which I need to get caught up on that. We also have the Marvel's What If finale, which we will definitely be covering. And then we have Impact with Gal Gadot, which is a docuseries that's going to follow six women 
uh, from, I think, poor countries and their kind of their struggles and what they've overcome to get where they are. So any thoughts on the October 6th drop? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know there was going to be a Gal Gadot, uh, or Gal Gadot, uh, series on Disney plus. It'd be interesting to see, you know, crossing the, crossing the streams there between Warner brothers mm. and Disney. And yeah, if you haven't seen black widow, I think of course it's worth watching for free on Disney plus. <laughs> I imagine, uh, if you're in any way invested in Marvel, you've probably seen it, but I'll, I'll definitely give given that when I rewatch at some point this month. All right. Oh, and I'm also looking forward to the NASA documentary as well. I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I like space science and that kind of thing. I think it's a really unexplored area of science that deserves a lot more attention, a lot more funding than it gets. So I, I think documentaries like this are uh, the potential to get people, especially young kids who are Disney fans in this one, will watch this with the parents into space and wanting to explore that science. So I think it's a good thing to drop stuff like this on Disney+. Plus. And then on October 8th, uh, we have Muppet Haunted Mansion, which we uh, covered the trailer last week. So if you're curious about that, you can go back and uh, watch our discussion about that. And then there's also a remake of Under Wraps, which is known as the first ever DCOM, which is a Disney Channel original movie. Uh, I saw the description, which is, seems like the plot description from the original movie, and a promotional picture, and it looked terrible. It looked like an image you would find at a Spirit Halloween. And I, oh, no. I kind of want to drunk watch that. I want to kind of do a... I don't even know if it's worthy of a drunk watch along. Maybe it's going to be so short, and I know the under original Under Wraps has to be like an hour 20. Maybe we go crazy and do a Under Wraps double feature where we watch the original and immediately go into watching the remake. Look, I'm down for that. I think that's a perfect way to... Look, only an hour and a half, you just got to drink heavily, you know, like two drinks for every rule. You just got to really get 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 it quick, you know. Yeah. And the uh, original Under Wraps stars the voice of Patrick Starr as the mummy, so that's always fun. <laughs> I don't think I've seen the original Under Wraps, so if we did that Ooh, double feature, it'd be a first time would, watch for me. That would be good. Yeah, we should definitely uh, watch it. Uh, October 13th. Uh, we have something I'm intrigued by. We have Just Beyond, which is going to be uh, an anthology show based on the works of R.L. Stein. We got a lot of R.L. Stein going on in the pop culture now. We have the Fear Street trilogy on uh, Netflix. I've heard so- somewhere talking about a ghost uh, Goosebumps potential revival going on somewhere, and now we got this. Uh, I like I'm in for the the '90s uh, nostalgia revival going on. Yeah, I was always a Michigan Chillers kid but rl stein he did work you know yeah i i always remember those book covers out on the you know scholastic book fair coming to my school you go in there you see all the stephen king or covers all the rl stein covers you you go those are scary ones you know i, I gotta be careful looking at those yeah and then october 20th we have a documentary about the making of black widow so for hardcore marvel fans that should be a fun watch just kind of learn the more PR-friendly puff piece about how this movie got came out. And those are usually pretty interesting. They are PR puff pieces, but I think what's more interesting about them is the technology yeah. aspect when they go into how they did some of, the, some of the effects and some of the action scenes. In particular, the Mandalorian ones are really fascinating to watch. I thought the WandaVision one was really interesting. Flag Widow had some really rough effects and action scenes that weren't as impressive as some other stuff. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see if this kind of like recontextualizes the action a bit and makes me like it a bit more than I did when I watched it the first time. Yeah, definitely. 
On October 22nd, we have two drops. We have Rookie of the Year uh, pops up on Disney+, Plus, and then we also have Thumbelina. So nothing new, but just uh, if you're a fan of those two movies, get excited because October 22nd, you're going to be able to watch them for free on Disney+. Plus. Go Cubs. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, October 27th, we have The Making of What If, so there's going to be a little bit of a gap between the What If finale and uh, the making of what if three weeks which is weird because normally those come out the next week so I'm curious if there's any kind of reason that there's that big of a delay maybe they just knew they needed something later in the month and then October 29th uh, the Kevin Costner classic McFarland USA uh, drops <laughs> somehow I know you'd like that one drops on Disney I've never seen it I don't care it's a movie about track woohoo <laughs> but if you like track if you were a nerd that couldn't play a real sport in high school uh, watch McFarland USA. I did track freshman movie. year, I'll be honest, but it was dumb. I did track freshman year, and I was like, that is not for me. I'm not yeah. a fan of uh, running, you know? Yeah. Hey, you know the part that's like the shitty part of most sports? Yeah, we're just going to make that a sport itself, running. <laughs> fucking dumb. Usain Bolt's not an athlete. Oh, he's fast. Do something else. Catch a ball. <laughs> All right. I-, I love to see Joe out race. I didn't say I'm faster than him. I'm just saying, who cares about running? All right. We learned that this episode. Joe doesn't think the same Bolt's an athlete. We'll make sure that he sees that. Make sure it goes trending, guys. Yep. Get people talking about this show. (laughs) One way or another. I give out hot takes. All right. I think that basically covers everything uh, Disney Plus this week. Uh, Just in anything to add, anything you want him to say. No, it was a good week this week. A lot of good stuff coming up in October, so it'll be fun to watch all that. Uh, We are going to be covering some of the best Disney uh, Halloween-related things, and I I don't know what we have planned for next next week specifically, but now we're going to be covering like Halloween Town. I'm going to be covering some of the uh, Halloween specials throughout the Disney uh, shows. I've always remembered the Sweet Love Zack and Cody special was a good one. Yep. That's how Raven had a really funny one. So I'm going to be kind of trying to dive in and throughout the month of October give you guys some of, some of my favorite of these old episodes. Mom's got a date with a vampire. That's another classic. Yeah, that's one we need to... One of the things I do is uh, I like is going back to watch these old DCOMs and realizing that like, because there's usually always one person in every DCOM who went on to be like an A-list star. Like Kaylee Cuoco is in uh, Alley Cat Strike. Brie Larson is in uh, Right on Track. I think that's the name of it. You um, know what, Joe? You're the you're the DCOM expert. Pick the first horror DCOM we're going to cover for next week. Give uh, us a good one. Horror, well, we can't Halloween, cover Under Wraps. Under, if, if we weren't going to do the Under Wraps, because I, wa- I want to do a drunk watch along or drink along with you for the under wraps and the seek in the remake double feature. So we can't do that one uh, right now. I'm thinking mom's got a date. Oh, Phantom of the Megaplex. You're, oh, are you an old Phantom school? Hollywood, are you an old school Hollywood fan? Like I am Mickey Rooney is in this movie. Oh, we got to watch that as movie Mason. Can I sing the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack throughout the episode? You can if you want to. <laughs> I'm not going to say Okay, perfect uh, episode. So, so we should cover The Phantom of the Megaplex, starring Mickey Rooney as Ruby Mason. All right. Uh, I think that wraps up our show for this week. And uh, I had fun. 
can't wait to do this next week. And uh, without further ado, uh, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.